Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. But he just found this website and had it made. Uh, and it's not the first step and repeat he's had made and had in my house. So... <laughs> you guys sound like a fun household. <laughs> Where did the step and repeats go after you've used them? Honestly, I Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Push the Envelope. I'm the AV Club's Editor-in-Chief, Patrick Gomez, and it it finally happened. We got through the 2020 Primetime Emmy Awards. Uh, yay! And yay! Uh, that voice you hear is the managing editor of the AV Club, Eric Adams. Uh, we have been joined the past few episodes by our TV editor, Jeanette Chavez, but she is hard at work uh, on everything that had to take a little bit of a back seat because of the Emmys. But in a few minutes, we will be joined by another voice, and that is of comedian, author, podcaster, and Nailed It host Nicole Byer, who just spent the past week hosting the marathon that was the Creative Arts Emmys. But before we get to her, uh, Eric, let's talk a little bit about what this remote ceremony was like. What what were your initial thoughts? I am both surprised and impressed by how smoothly it all went. Uh, I was really anticipating and, you know, not not out of any sort of malevolent wish, but kind of hoping for some kind of chaos. I mean, this is like, this is the first time anybody's tried anything like this before. Uh, And if the annals of live television history are any indication, usually these sorts of pioneering broadcasts are full of wild snafus and and missed cues and props falling over. But, you know, with the exception of maybe some laggy connections uh, and one stubborn trash can fire that didn't quite get extinguished the way that uh, Jennifer Aniston and Jimmy Kimmel were anticipating, it was really, like... It, it, it was like we do this every year almost. Yeah, I was like, you know, to go a little bit further, I, I was a little disappointed um, that we that we didn't get a, a little bit more um, chaos. You know, I think of the, the Democratic National Convention and how there were tons of, of hiccups there. And some of them were awkward, but a lot of them were endearing. Um, and I thought we could have used a little bit more uh, endearing mishaps like the fire. Although I did hear from someone um, that was there that fire bit, especially because it dealt with fire, but also logistics, um, wasn't live, but that moment did actually happen where the producers were like, um, no, you really have to put that fire out. So uh, it was basically <laughs> live to tape, um, but they did choose to keep that moment in there. And I'm glad they did. I, I wish there was a little bit more of that. But no, I was impressed with how it went. Um, I thought, um, obviously, Jimmy Kimmel's been hosting stuff that's not uh, without a studio audience for a while now. So I think he was 
uh, well versed in like how that works and not having to take pauses and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that learning curve, uh, he was already well over that. And I think that that worked really well. Um, but let's get to uh, let's get to the actual winners of the evening. I, I, let's start off with talking about the ones that we got right. If you've been listening to um, Eric, Danette, and I over the past four episodes discuss our thoughts about the upcoming, at that point, Emmys, we were giving predictions of who was getting the most buzz. And some of them we were spot on, and then others we were pleasantly surprised by. I think Schitt's Creek is obviously one um, that we expected to do big, but I think it did bigger than any of us were expecting. It won all top seven awards, including all the the four acting nominees got it, the series got it, and it got it for writing and directing. Um, And it's insane. It it broke records left and right in terms of the amount of wins it got in one year. Well, not just records, but also like that, it's it's not a a volume thing, but the totality of what it won was a first time for the Emmys, correct? There is no other television series, at least in the comedy and drama categories, that has taken all seven major awards? That's correct. That's correct. It's It's been since, I think, like the 70s, since, since anything got even close. Um, uh, and, you know, it's been since Angels in America um, that any four acting nominees from the same program one, but that was obviously for a limited series, or at that point we called it a mini-series. Um, so this is the first series uh, to do that, which is which is crazy. Um, couldn't be happier for it, them. It was just so nice watching it and seeing, like, seeing that enthusiasm build in that little tent that they had in Toronto, and really pleasant that they all got to enjoy that moment together with one another. Yeah, during um, Eugene Levy's acceptance speech for lead actor, he looked off camera and said hi to his daughter, Sarah. And so I thought Sarah was just there and just off camera. Um, Did not realize, uh, but if you go to Sarah Levy's social media, she was posting uh, her clips of watching it that night. I I, uh, believe someone was filming her uh, watching it. And she, I guess, had the TV on in front of her, but then also had like a Skype situation next to her. So he was actually looking at like a computer screen um, of her face off, <laughs> and just she's jumping up and down. It was it was amazing to watch. So definitely check that out if you can. Uh, another big winner for the night was was Watchmen, which we also anticipated um, doing doing quite well. Uh, they got supporting actor, lead uh, actress and uh, limited series. Uh, no surprises there. I, I think we were debating which of the Watchmen supporting actors would win, and I think Yaya Abdul Mateen the uh, second taking it was was something we were all hoping for. So I'm super happy there. And then Regina. I mean, I think that that was a pretty far gone conclusion. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about how this has been her award for so many years now, and she's just really staked that territory out. You know, she's coming off of an Oscar win last year for If Beale Street Could Talk. Uh, just, you know, it's, uh, it, it was both, both of those performances, both her as Angela and then Yaya as, uh, Cal slash Dr. Manhattan were so crucial to that show and such a thorough centering force, uh, to a program that has so much depth and so many layers uh, they really gave you that thing to kind of hang on to and then uh, blow it completely out of the water in some cases uh, in terms of Yaya's uh, reveal that Cal has been Dr. Manhattan this whole time. 
Yeah, no, I mean, couldn't agree more and uh, so happy for it. I'm still devastated we're not getting more of it uh, at least anytime soon, um, but I will live with it, I guess. Um, one of the cat- <laughs> I'm happy with it. <laughs> one of the cat- Let it lie. Let it lie, I know. I just, I always want more. I always want more. <laughs> uh, the one category we didn't really have a front runner in um, when we were discussing it was Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Limited Series or Movie. Uh, we discussed the fact that Uzo Aduba, Margot Martindale, and Tracy Ullman were all up for Miss America. Uh, then you had Holland Taylor, Gene Smart, and Tony Collette making up the rest of the nominations. And uh, I was worried that Miss America was going to split the vote, and so I thought it was maybe going to go to Tony. But you you had faith that one of the Miss America people was going to hold out, and obviously Uzo took that <laughs> prize, and her speech was lovely. I couldn't have been happier for her either. Yeah, we you know we did so much hand wringing about vote splitting when we were recording those first four episodes because there were so many awards where some of our favorites uh, had been nominated multiple times and it really didn't uh, seem to have any sort of impact on the winners until supporting actor in a drama uh, when the succession guys all seemingly kind of. Uh, canceled one another out and that wound up going to Billy Crudup in the morning show uh, of of all winners. Yeah, well, and that's a great transition into the ones that we we did not anticipate. And, and of course, you know, we thought Succession was going to take uh, pr- pretty much every award it was up for. Um, and that was not the case. Uh, you know, Billy Crudup, if it was going to go to somebody um, other than a succession person, I, I was thinking it was going to be Jeffrey Wright. But it, like Billy Crudup, man, uh I don't want to say came out of nowhere, obviously, but but was was not uh, on my list in terms of other of backup plans there. Um, so that was quite surprising. We did guess bad education correctly for outstanding TV movie, but we did not get lead actor in a limited series or movie correct. We thought that was also going to go to bad education star Hugh Jackman, um, but it ended up going to Mark Ruffalo for I know this much is true. What did you think about about that? A little little bit of a surprise. I mean, that was. <laughs> that one was funny because when it was announced, uh, the the pre the preamble to it was, well, now we know who would win in a fight between Wolverine and the Hulk, and I was like, yeah, it would be Wolverine. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be Hugh Jackman, and then it was announced that it was Mark Ruffalo, and I think I was just as surprised as Sonny Coney. I, I think I'm getting that right. She's she's married to Mark Ruffalo, and she was the one who was at his side having that gigantic, shocked, and awed response uh, to him winning over uh, Hugh Jackman after that little preamble, that little nod to the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe that uh, we haven't been able to see due to uh, the way that X-Men and the Avengers IPs shook out. I mean, at this point, we'll probably get nine reboots before it's all over anyway. So maybe you'll get it. Maybe you'll get it. There'll be uh, octogenarians uh, in the in the ring. I mean, if I may say something while pushing my glasses up my nose, you know, the uh, Wolverine's very first appearance in the comics was uh, fighting the Incredible Hulk. So it, this was really just a historic matchup uh, here in the... Uh, outstanding lead actor in a limited series or television movie category. And surprise, surprise, it was uh, the guy who did two performances uh, who won it out. 
<laughs> well, and really, at the end of the day, his wife was the winner. I, I loved that moment. <laughs> uh, it was it was definitely a highlight of the entire entire uh, show. If you uh, want to see that reaction, uh, we do have a freeze frame of it, a screen grab of it in our follow up coverage of our best moments of the night. Uh, kind of did screen grabs of different moments to kind of recapture the the magic of certain points of the show, and that was one of them. I, I agree, it was such a highlight, and he it was almost like sh- he was almost like scared of how excited she was. It was it was amazing. Um, another one that we weren't entirely sure where it was going to land uh, was Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Drama Series, which ended up going to Julia Garner for Ozark. You know, we've made many jokes about how dark that show is, both in tone and in uh, actual visuals. But, uh, you know, she is fantastic. So I am not shocked that she won. Um, but, you know, she she can now say she beat Meryl. <laughs> and that's a that's a repeat win for her, correct? Yes, yes. So again, not a shocker, but she certainly was up, you know, and I think that that goes right into the lead actress category. There's been a lot made, uh, particularly on social media, uh, about whether or not you should use the phrase upset win uh, with uh, Zendaya. <laughs> winning for Euphoria. Uh, but I think that there's a similar thing going on here with Julia and Zendaya. It's, it's these younger actresses who are up against these powerhouse Hollywood mainstays, big, big names. Uh, and, you know, for those reasons alone, I think they kind of were lower in the odds. But they did fantastic work and each are very deserving, as are any of these nominees. But I was I was happy to see both of them win. And I think you could tell both of them were surprised, but Julia's fa- I mean, Julia, I think, was in literal shock at first. <laughs> well, and also, I, I think the way that those wins and really a lot of the a lot of the way that the drama awards shook out is a testament to some of what we talked about in earlier episodes about the state of TV drama in general uh just that there there were no it didn't seem like there was a clear favorite aside from succession and that everything kind of seemed a little bit jumbled that maybe they're you know the the favorites in these these categories like uh, the handmaid's tale uh had kind of gotten a little long in the tooth and didn't have the shine on them that they did once upon a time uh and so you know you you see uh zendaya in a new series uh coming off of its first season winning for outstanding lead actress or you see uh billy crudup kind of coming out of nowhere, winning for a show on Apple TV+. Plus, I feel like that's, you know, that is where someone jumps to the conclusion of using upset in their headline uh, because there just didn't really seem like there was a way to anticipate how any of these awards were going to shake out unless... You were us, and you were just pinning all your hopes to succession. Well, we will, of course, discuss vote splitting and rising uh, above the noise of maybe more established names on future episodes of Push the Envelope as we head into other awards seasons. But for now, we are going to welcome our special guest for this episode. She is, as I mentioned earlier, a comedian, podcaster, author, television host, Nicole Byer. Uh, She just spent the past week marathoning through five nights of the Creative Arts Emmys as that host, and she soon will be seen as the host of Wipeout with John Cena on TBS. After this music, please welcome Miss Nicole Byer. Nicole 
Nicole, thank you so much for being able to join us for Push the Envelope and congratulations for making it through uh, five nights of Creative Arts Emmys. Uh, I'm sure you've been napping, um, but uh, I'm glad we got you for, for a few minutes here. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, it was very fun. Well, I know you were, obviously, uh, you were pre-recording a lot of the elements of the Creative Arts Emmys, but tell us a little bit about what it was like to film that and when did they ask you? Um, they asked... I think maybe like a week and a half before it, it actually happened. Like they asked me to uh, present and then they were like, actually, do you want to host it? Oh man. Well, you did a fantastic job. Uh, and I'm glad they didn't make you do like 16 costume changes. Your dress was lovely. Oh, thank you. I would have preferred it. <laughs> but it was hard to find dresses. It's hard to dress fat people. And uh, if you give them less than a week's notice, it's apparently impossible. Well, the pockets were lovely. You you were able to to pull stuff out of there. So I thought you made good use of the dress you got. Thank you. Um, and what went into the the planning for this? I mean, obviously, it's it's an interesting time to be hosting a show just because of everything going on politically and and in the world with the pandemic. But then the fact that you had to do this remotely, how did that factor into the planning of of what you were going to do? I mean, I didn't plan anything. I was just sent a script and I made do with it. Like I, it was I. I don't know how other people host award shows, but I thought there was writers and that wasn't a thing that happened. So it was just I had a script and I went to North Hollywood and I said the words that were on the prompter and I tried to make it my own. But, you know, when there's very little time to do something, you just do your best. (laughs) Were you doing multiple takes, different things? Because I know Eric and I were discussing earlier uh, about just, you know, how it must be to perform and particularly perform stuff that normally would get laughs for a crowd to, to maybe, you know, a handful of people on the other side of that camera. I'm used to it because on Nailed It, um, there is no audience. And then a lot of the stuff that I do, the contestants can't hear me. So like, I just take cues from uh, camera operators. If camera operators are laughing, then I know it's funny because they see a lot of stuff. And they're not usually the most generous people with laughter. So, yeah, that's uh, that's how I gauge if I'm doing an okay job. <laughs> did you uh, did you end up, are you, are you someone that, that can watch yourself? Uh, did you end up watching all of these telecasts uh, over the five nights? I watched the first one to make sure that I felt okay with it. I don't love to watch myself because when you watch yourself, you get to see all the choices you could have made and... Uh, you get to see what they kept in the edit because nine, like you, usually an actor or performer doesn't have a say in what stays in the edit. So you're just like, oh, they took that take. Uh, okay, they used that one. Uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't love watching myself. Fair. I, I don't know that I'd be able to do it either. Uh, it was, it was interesting. I don't know if you, you saw the, the hiccup because I was impressed with how few hiccups there were. Um, they had the one issue with the. Uh, guest actor uh it was unclear if it went to jason bateman or uh, ron cephas jones uh mm-hmm. i i was glad that that got sorted out but i was surprised how how um seamless the the show went yeah i mean i think when you don't work for six months and you get that job you're like all right we're gonna do it we're gonna do it well uh, i think you know People are excited to work and, you know, it's like interesting because like online people are like, Emmys are frivolous, blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, they might be frivolous, but like the drivers, wardrobe people, like costume, like all these people who like would normally be working aren't working. So like, I'm happy that the Emmys happened and I'm happy that like 
people got paid to do it. Do you know what I mean? It was a <laughs> like a happy time and like a depressing time because you just like remember that the world is literally on fire. But I think that's a that's a good point though that there are so many of these people involved in the industry that we're maybe not thinking about and to a certain extent that's kind of the point of uh the creative arts Emmys, especially that there are all these people who are doing this work that makes the television possible. Mm -hmm. uh, And they deserve, they deserve that tribute. They deserve that celebration. What was your Emmys Sunday? Like I watered my plants. I'm growing (laughs) a watermelon and I have to get a little sack for her. So she doesn't snap off the branch. Um, (laughs) Tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, um, a strawberry plant that I'm pretty sure is D-E-A-D. And (laughs) after I finished watering them, I then took a, I took a shower and I put on a very fancy dress that I found in my closet. And then my roommate, John, had put up a step and repeat to pretend like we were at the Emmys so we could take pictures, uh, which was like very kind because it's, it's like strange to be nominated in a year where like, you don't get the whole shebang. Like I thought I was getting a dress. I didn't get a dress and you know, you don't get hair and makeup. I did it all myself. So it was just like a nice thing to pretend. (laughs) Well, you looked fantastic. And uh, for anyone listening that has not seen your step and repeat, uh, I know you put that up on social and that would look quite professional. What does your roommate do that, uh, that like they were able to get that printing and, and the, the framing, the framework that went up to put that together. I mean, that was professional looking. That's not just like some paper (laughs) paper taped on a fence. No, he ordered a actual step and repeat banner. Um, I think he just like Googled it. He's an actor. He's a, he's a comedian, John Milheiser. He's very, 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 very funny. He was on SNL for a little bit. Um, but he just found this website and had it made. Uh, and it's not the first step and repeat he's had made and had in my house. So <laughs> you guys sound like a fun household. <laughs> Where did the step and repeats go after you've used them? Honestly, I do not know. I just know that the the thing that it's hung up on belongs to our friend Riza. Uh, I don't know where the actual banners go. Like, there's, I have some banners in my house. I have like, I throw a party with my friend Mono every year because our birth. He's on the 28th. I'm on the 29th of uh, August, and we have a banner that says uh, "Happy Birthday" or "Happy," I think, 49th birthday to Mono and Nicole. Neither one of us are 49, but we think it's funny. So you know, I love a banner. A banners, a banners are fun. <laughs> I, I like sorry it. you had to celebrate your birthday in quarantine this year. Everybody born after February has had to <laughs> celebrate their birthdays in, well, I guess March. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I, I could have had a fun birthday, but you know, it's neither here nor there. I, I appreciate the fact that you guys plan in advance then because you can use that banner for so many years and then it's just always ahead of its time. It'll just be so, uh, so ingrained in your celebrations that you can use it forever now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what I plan on doing. I love it. It's really ugly too. We use clip art on it. It's like really ugly. <laughs> As it should be. One of the things I, I love about the direction that these nominations have gone for a while now, but particularly in the last few years, is really embracing, uh, you know, I think I think a lot of times hosts were either coming from uh, journalistic backgrounds uh, or that was kind of just what we expected. We expected like a stoic kind of teleprompter reading host. Um, but I think you are part of a new class of, of hosts that really 
get to show a lot of personality um, in it. Do you, how would you classify yourself as 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 a host given that history? Um, I mean, I can't think of a show where someone hosted like me. Um, I think it's not like the anti-host. I think it's more like I'm a host who's like just as interested as the contestants are. <laughs> you know, like I'm not acting like I'm a master at anything. I'm not acting like I have authority over anything. I think it's very much me being like, I don't really know what's happening either. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it, that's just my personality. Like, I, I'm not acting. I'm just me. Well, I think especially with Nailed It, it's, that's, that's got to be a situation where you're endlessly surprised, right? Like, the, the novelty of that show probably can't wear off. Yeah. Yeah. I genuinely am surprised every time I see a nightmare thing that somebody has made. Like, truly, some of these things are so wild. It's delightful. It's still all better than I could ever, ever do. So <laughs> in addition to celebrating uh, your nomination, we also want to give you the opportunity to push the envelope for future things that you could be nominated for. Uh, so we wanted to walk through a few of your projects that uh, you've been working on recently and that we've gotten to see. Uh, I know you uh, recently, we got to see you in Mapleworth Murders on Quibi. Uh, tell us a little bit about working with uh, Paula Pell on that series. Uh, Paula Pell is one of the funniest people I have ever met. She makes me laugh so hard by doing, like, she's not sneaky funny. It's like one of those things where, like, she doesn't even have to try and she's funny. I try very hard. Um, but also John Lutz, he uh, co-created with her. He's delightful and wonderful in every single way. So it was just like um, one of those things where it's, it's like, hmm, what's the word for it? I was like shocked and like really thankful. There it is that they asked you to do it because I mean, I don't think I'm of the same caliber as the other guest stars, but like, it was just such an honor for them to be like, Nicole, will you please be involved in this? And I was like, what? You didn't even have to, ask you. what? It was, it just felt so wild that they thought that like, I belonged in the same room with like Tina Fey or like JB Smooth. JB Smooth makes me laugh so hard. It was just like, it was just fun to be a part of. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Well, landing it fun is good. I, and your episode title is also one of my favorites, The Case of the Case of Wine. Um, <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, you also did, uh, well, you've done a lot of animation work recently, but uh, you had a role on uh, the Hulu series starring Lamorne Morris uh, called Woke. Uh, tell us uh, about working on that one. Woke was fun. Um... I didn't get, like, the script. I was just, like, told in the voiceover booth, like, what exactly was happening. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. This is cool. And then I got to see, like, different cuts uh, of, like, what they used from the scene. And, like, I still didn't, like, I knew what the show was about, but I didn't know how the tone was going to be with, like, you know, talking... 40s and whatnot but like after seeing it i was like this really came together in like a really delightful way um yeah mo was the director and he was just like really supportive and like let me try some things and i just had like a really good time well that is great and, you know obviously we saw you get your nomination for nailed it this year but there's a potential that you could uh be a a double nominee thanks to you being a uh, host of the upcoming a uh, wipeout uh, reboot uh you're 
co-hosting that with John Cena for TBS. Uh, I happen to be a huge fan of, of Wipeout. I, there's just something about seeing people sign up to fall all over the place that makes me laugh. Um, but uh, what made that an appealing show for you to want to be a part of? I just thought it was exciting. Like, uh, Wipeout, to me, is just really, it's fun, it's funny. It's truly, like, so wild to just watch people (laughs) fall down. Like, what a treat of a job. I get to get paid to watch people fall down and then giggle. Uh, So it just, it seemed like a fun thing to do. I don't know John Cena. And I was like, he seems like a fun time. Why not? Uh, and it's it's a fairly, uh, in terms of other productions, it's a fairly corona-proof uh, show because uh, at least for the most part, everyone's pretty social distanced uh, bouncing around on those balls. Yeah, I don't, I don't have to, yeah, they're so far away from me. It's a real <laughs> treat. You also are a, a host of a, a ton of podcasts. Uh, I'm just going to list a few here in case uh, our listeners aren't familiar and want to find some of your audio work. Um, Why Won't You Date Me, 90 Day Bay, Best Friends, Drag Her. And then you also recently launched Newcomers with Lauren Lapkus. Uh, tell us a little yes. bit about, about that one. Uh, so Newcomers, the first season is 20 episodes long. And Lauren, who's one of the most delightful humans I've ever met, we are going through the Star Wars universe. And every Star Wars movie is literally like four and a half hours long. They last forever. Uh, there's so much lore to it. <laughs> and it's I just found it so easy to get confused. Um, and then our guests would come on and tell us things. And then we'd... We joke about like how we're gaslit into liking them because by the end of each episode, we're like, well, that was nice to talk about. You know what? I don't mind that it was four hours. This is great. Um, And we do like fan fiction episodes, which are so silly and super fun. Um, And then this season, we're doing Lord of the Rings. And man, if I thought Star Wars was long, Lord of the Rings said, hold my beer. They are the longest movies. And then the third movie has multiple endings. The movie tries to end for at least 35 to 40 minutes. And I was like, who needed this? And then I found out that like people love that and that they left some stuff out of the movies. And I was like, how did they leave anything out of the movie? Like literally how? The movies are so long. It, they're, they're fine. They're, they're, they're good movies. They're just so long. I don't get it. I how, actually- how, how deeply have you dug into the Lord of the Rings lore at this point? So we're not super deep yet. We're only, I think, so we've done the three movies, like the three main movies. And then we did a fan fiction episode where I wrote about being the only black elf in Middle Earth. Um, And then we haven't like delved past the Hobbit movies and then the three main movies. But we gotta we gotta cover them all. I just recently did a, uh, a watch of those for the first time, uh, and I a lot of your sentiments I feel like I'm uh, agreeing with. So I'm excited for this for this new season. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Like I just don't understand why why it's so much. It's kind of wild. But uh, you know, for the time being, can you please let our listeners know where they can find you online in addition to all your fantastic projects? Yeah, sure. Um, I am on Instagram and Twitter at Nicole Byer. Um, You can listen to my podcasts. You can watch old episodes of stuff I've done so I can get some residuals. Uh, You can watch Nailed It on Netflix. Yeah, I'm, you know, out and about doing stuff. 
<laughs> well, we are glad that you're continuing to do that. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, you can find all of us at avclub.com. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of Push the Envelope. Uh, even though the Emmys are over, there's still plenty of Push the Envelope coming your way. Until then, please remember to rate and comment and subscribe. It'll make me happy. It'll make Eric happy. It'll make Nicole happy, I hope, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Eric, thank you for being a fantastic co-pilot for this episode. Oh, thank you for having me. And uh, thanks for joining us, Nicole. Thank you again. All right. Well, uh, you know, we're just going to make Nicole keep saying thank you, uh, but we're going to do that <laughs> off air. So that's it for us now. Um, thank you all again and see you next episode of Push the Envelope. Uh, for now, bye. Bye. This week's episode of Push the Envelope was hosted by Danette Chavez, Eric Adams, and me, Patrick Gomez. It was produced by Iris Lynn and Carl Blomberg and edited and mixed by Zach Goldsboro. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.